We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That held up surprisingly well. Perloff's Eagles are into the Super Bowl. They're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, it was a memorable AFC and NFC championship game, maybe for all the wrong reasons. The AFC game was memorable, but I don't think the NFC game was memorable. So the only reason why I'd make a case for the NFC is that it was there was a moment in that game yesterday where it was like, is Kyle Shanahan actually going to win this game with their fourth string quarterback? Like Josh Johnson completes the first pass that he came in. It was like a 10-yard pass. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're going to put up a fight here. And then he fumbled on the next snap. And then he basically got knocked out after that. And it was like, oh, yeah, right. This is not going to happen. Yeah, I I was pretty nervous. Uh, I think the, early on, the Eagles' offense was not doing it. They had that first drive that was helped out by Devontae Smith's one any catch, which yeah. it turns out was not a catch. No. But that was a bit of a fluky drive. They were not moving the ball well in the first half at all. I got a bunch of texts on my Eagles threads. What is the matter with our offense? But I give Nick Sirianni and the Eagles' offense so much credit I was wondering, why are you running the ball? It's not going anywhere. But they stuck with the run, which a guy like Andy Reid will never do. Mm -hmm. You have to give them credit. They kept running against a team you can't run against, knowing that they would wear them down. So, to me, the Eagles' offensive line is the MVP of that game. They were excellent yesterday. But it is – I just can't underscore – how much of an advantage your team is at when you know that the quarterback right. on the other side literally can't throw the ball. Of course. <laughs> yeah. like That game is over. I Actually, Josh Johnson threw a couple nice passes in the first couple drives, and he yeah. made me nervous. But that, that game was over. I think the fumble was just a bad play. He's an NFL veteran. That was just a mistake. I don't know what how His eye came off the ball in a shotgun snap. But let me get something straight about it. You said this last hour, and I came up with the perfect comeback. But it was too late. We were uh, already in, had moved on. You want to re- rewind the show and go back? I want back? to rewind the show. You what said, did I say? You said something to the effect of, we don't really know about the Eagles because they haven't played in a close game I said forever. the coaching staff. We, or, we don't know. The, you, you said Andy Reid would always, like, you know, botch the end of a game. Or, you know, he punted and we we're like, that could right. have come back to bite him. Like, I would have no confidence that Andy Reid will be good. But I have all the confidence that Nick Sirianni and the coordinators are good. And I said, how? You haven't played a tight game. Actually, last segment you didn't mention the coaches. You also just said there was going to be a lot of pressure. They haven't been in a tight game. So let me ask you this. Does that mean that the Eagles should be penalized for blowing teams out? Should they have held off the dogs and made the Giants game close? Great teams, Super Bowl teams, win a lot of blowouts. Yeah. So therefore, I don't think you can hold that against them. By the way. That should have been in the moment. It would have sounded <laughs> yeah. a lot better. Okay, an hour and a half later. No, I respect what you're saying. I think that the Eagles, listen, 
it helps to get the number one seed these days. And they now we have the, the number one seed on both the AFC and the NFC for the first time in a while, right? Because mm. Mahomes, they got, you know, the bye and the Eagles got the bye as well. I I think that when you no longer have the first the first seed and the second seed both used to have a bye. Now they don't. It's only the one seed. So I think that's it showed it's good to win a lot of games in the regular season. I think that's great. I'd be I want to see somebody challenge the Eagles, you know? And let's see what Jalen Hurts does at the end of a game where it's a one-score game, everything's on the line. Let's see. I mean, we saw the defense with the with the holdovers that you still have, the Fletcher Coxes and Brandon Grams. We know those guys yeah. close games. So let's see if Jalen Hurts can close a game. I I have confidence in him. The guy's been tremendous. I think I know what he'll do. You're asking what he'll do? He's going to run. Now, he could not really run on Sunday because until San Francisco got it wasn't that at all. I Fred Warner's speed in real time is something to behold. Yeah. So San Francisco is the hardest team to run on. And Jalen Hurts still at the end, he took over the game by running. He is going to lay it all out on the line against Kansas City. And I don't think Mahomes normally would do that as well. But I don't think Mahomes could run like that. I think that's a huge factor. To me, that's the main reason the mobility of both quarterbacks. I'm assuming Jalen Hurts is more mobile. He's going to be able to run on, on Kansas City. It's not San Francisco in this super defense. You're right. So I think once he runs, Kenneth Gainwell, God bless him, <laughs> yeah. he's going to run. Yeah. Miles Sanders is a revelation. I think the Eagles' strategy of pounding the ball and keeping it out of Mahomes' hands is their clear is clearly what they want to do. Easier said than done. I totally understand that. But to me, just advantage-wise, you look at the two offensive lines, the two defensive lines, the Eagles should be able to just sort of – lean on the Chiefs in your words for what offensive linemen do. (laughs) They lean on the other guy. (laughs) They should be able to lean on them and when Lane Johnson's on the field the Eagles are nearly unbeaten. So all that is true. Did you hear our buddy Mike Lombardi? So Mike Lombardi is a former general manager and he's been on the show several times. He works for VEASAN now. And he said something on his podcast recently that I thought was pretty amazing where he said that he thinks that Patrick Mahomes, it's possible, might go leave the country and either go to, like, Germany or Canada or a place where they spin your blood and then come back and be, like, ready to go. Okay. So, like, we're talking about what's Mahomes going to look like in two weeks, right? You said that you think it's going to come down to health. You know, who's healthy? Yeah, yeah, mobility. Mobility and Mahomes, like we saw – Started out, I think he was playing better than anyone thought in the first half. It was like, wow, it doesn't even seem like it's bothering him. As the game went on, it's not like the Bengals really like hit him a lot or anything. I think he took three sacks in the game. But as the game wore on, you could tell, you know, he gets stepped on here, this or that, and he was started limping a lot more. If he goes and gets that kind of treatment and he has two weeks, mm. I'm not saying he will. That was a Michael Lombardi thing. That Full credit to him. Maybe he looks even better in two weeks and it – neutralizes that advantage for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, if he, the blood spinning didn't work this week, he was limping by the end of the game. Yeah. So it was a, he was hurt. He's This is an NFL game, and your quarterback's limping. That's a huge problem. I, I'd be amazed if there was no limp in two weeks, if he was fully running around. And even when he was running, I was just watching the highlights on a TV screen here. He looks off on everything. Even the way he's throwing is not the same. He's he's so good that he can throw without planning the correct way, but that's a big issue too. Yeah. Felt like there were a lot of plays where he had trouble really planning and unloading like he did. Look at his numbers. I know he he had a lot of total yards, but he threw the ball a million times. 
Were, were there explosive plays yesterday? Not really. Well, I think that's a combination of his ankle, but also he lost three wide receivers in the yeah. game. I mean, that has to count for something. I mean, the longest play was a 129-yard play to NVS, which was crazy, by the way. Yeah, that was good. But other than that, there was no other pass that went for 20 yards the entire game. But in both games, there were no chunk plays at all. There was the Eagles. If I'm looking at the Eagles and I'm the Chiefs, they have no deep threat passing the ball. Who are you going to throw? I mean, A.J. Brown's lost his confidence. And Devontae Smith might be your one guy. I but mean, just he made the catch of the same... year that turned out not to be a catch. Yeah, but... I mean, they were – I mean, Jalen Hurts threw for 125 yards on the game. That exa- isn't exactly lighting up the scoreboard either. So, Well, they stopped throwing the ball. They wanted the clock to keep moving. They weren't having real success throwing the ball before that either. Were you surprised a little bit by how slow the offense has got late in the game? For this who? is Cincinnati, Kansas City. Uh-oh. These are two juggernaut offenses, and they just couldn't get anything going late. No, the fourth quarter, was there even a touch? Uh, uh, was it? Tw- uh, yes, the the, uh, since, he, since he tied it at 20, yes, 20 in the fourth quarter, but that was early in the fourth quarter. And then KC kicked the field goal, obviously, to win it. Ten points scored in the fourth quarter. It's amazing. I mean, all the credit to Cincinnati's defense. They've really stepped up. That is, that's a great team. I, I think Cincinnati's going to be back. I don't know if they get worse when Joe Burrow has to get paid, but I feel, I'm so sorry to say this, I feel much more optimistic about them than your Buffalo Bills. I feel, because Burrow's still on the cheap contract. Can't we do that another day? <laughs> Honestly, I feel, well, I know, I'm just trying to say the Bengals fans, you'll be back, even though the officials screwed you on Sunday. <laughs> you're going to be back. And you're not saying that about the Bills? I worry about the Bills. Oh. Man. I worry about that the quarterback got paid. That formula just seems so big I know, but right Mahomes now. got paid, and they're back. Kind of. <laughs> they scored <laughs> 23 just... points at Arrowhead in the, in the AFC title game. This is not fully loaded Chiefs team. Uh, Samter has an update on Brock Purdy. Yeah, Tom Pelissero is reporting that Purdy suffered a complete tear of the UCL. They're going to get a second Ouch. opinion, but it's likely that he's going to have to go through Tommy John surgery. They're going to try to do a repair rather than Tommy John, which means he'd be ready for training camp. But if he gets Tommy John, he might be off for the entire year. Okay, but Tommy John for quarterbacks as opposed to pitchers, it's a year. We know that. But for for quarterbacks, is it a year? Because I know for position players, it's not always a year. Yeah, but I mean, a quarterback, you're throwing the ball. No, it's a repetitive motion. That's with a yes, lot of force. And, I and get it's it. also a, it's a bigger ball, so I don't know how that impacts. It's also late January, even if it's six months. You're talking about no training camp. Fortunately, there is a very, very handsome quarterback that knows the system, too. Jimmy G again? Or Tom Brady. There's plenty of options here in San Francisco. I thought you were going with Andy Dalton. I'm like, huh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or, by the way, somehow Kirk Cousins. I mean, Shanahan. Has always wanted to play with Cousins, This could be a Tom Brady opening. This could be Jimmy G, as I predicted, will never leave San Francisco ever. He's going to retire a 49er. This could be Trey Lance, but... This is certainly not saying to me, this headline to me does not say Brock Purdy's a week one starter. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's an unfortunate injury. You're right. This late really stinks. But I thought the 49ers were going to go into this season with a potential quarterback controversy if Purdy was fully healthy. Yeah, I thought it would be. Let alone if Purdy is recovering from a major surgery. I think my opinion is Purdy would have won the job if he won. Especially unless, if he, unless you bring in Brady. You bring in Brady to start Brady. Well, if Purdy had won this game, you would have gone with Purdy and Lance and been fine with it. But are you sure it's Brady and not Jimmy G? I mean, who knows? Who knows? But it's going to be another offseason of some quarterback drama, I think, for the 49ers. I think Brady is the big unknown here. We found out over the weekend that it looks like the Dolphins are totally out 
according to Adam Schefter. Oh, I did not see that. It okay. could be a head fake. Who knows? But the Dolphins, according to Schefter, are totally out on Brady. This is going to be moving forward with Tua. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, Brady, I love Brady, but I'm not sure Brady would have won that game. Hassan Reddick was in the backfield in about a half a second. <laughs> that would not have been a great Brady game either. He was in the first half. He wrecked the game, Hassan Reddick. That was yeah. incredible. By the way, I, I, I didn't know I was such a big Hassan Reddick fan until the last few weeks. <laughs> now I'm all about that now guy. Now he's your guy. Uh, okay, we've been teasing it. we got to get to the big news in Dallas. We don't have time. Now we've got to get to Gene Steratore. Jeez. All right, we've got – we'll do it all. We promise. Coming up next, CBS Sports officiating analyst Gene Steratore, who – when I say was the star of the broadcast yesterday, I mean, no offense to Nance and Romo and Tracy and Evan, but without Sterator, I don't think we were making it through that game. There were so many weird things that happened. He's going to join us next to break it all down, and especially that very controversial third and nine redo that the Kansas City Chiefs got. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. Don't move. More Maggie and Pearl off right after this. We're back in a minute. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. And we've been talking a lot about some of the more Perloff controversial calls from the championship games yesterday. But who cares what you and I think? We have CBS Sports rules analyst and officiating analyst Gene Sterator good enough to join us now. Okay, let's start at the end maybe and work backwards. I think, you know, fans are, you know, maybe they understand to the letter of the law of the Joseph Osai pushing Patrick Mahomes as he's running out of bounds. But there will be fans, Gene, who say at that moment in the game, that's a tough call because ultimately it decided the game. What do you say to that? Well, I think you have to say it just the other way, Maggie, right? Like, what if that's not called? Mm. And then what do the Chiefs fans say? Look, uh, this wasn't one of those. and We've all seen kind of the tiptoeing on the sideline, right? And then right as the player's foot touches out of bounds, he gets contacted and there's a flag and we're like, boy, that's really technical. Yes, but his foot's on the white on this play. You know, Patrick Mahomes really was uh, two or three steps in the white when the contact occurred. So as much as, you know, as an ex-official, you hate to hear, like, we don't want to hear the officials decide the outcome, right? Um, Not making a call there is deciding the outcome as well. So, when fouls like that present themselves, you have to do what you've been paid in, uh, you know, practice doing, and you've got to make that call, and that, and that's the right call at that moment. Gene Steratore is our guest. He's a CBS Sports officiating analyst, and good enough to clear up some of the 
you know, bigger calls from the NFC and AFC championship games were on the AFC. So let's go to the one that really had people scratching their heads. And mm-hmm. this was the basically redo of a third and nine, a third down and nine early on in the fourth quarter. Now, Gene, we understand that the ball had to be respotted. That led yeah. to the clock having to be restarted. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, why didn't the referee downfield who noticed the clock was moving when it shouldn't have, why didn't they make a bigger deal mm-hmm. of trying to stop right. the play before it, not only the play continued, but then the Kansas City punt team even ran onto the field? Yeah, you know, I, I have to be honest. That was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me, too, as well. I, I tweeted a little earlier during the contest that we had a false start early in the game, and I'm telling you that that stadium was so loud that rarely in my officiating experience in, in years where, was it a place where you just didn't hear the whistle. Now, I don't know if that official was blowing the whistle or not, uh, but it was really, really loud in that stadium last night. But but you're right in, in going back to say, where did the administrative part of that uh, of that kind of, mis- you know, the mistake started to occur? And you're right. And, and I'll give you just a little background, too. I didn't have enough time, naturally. You only get 10 to 15 seconds to try to clear up really something serious in a game like that. Um, when that ball was moved, the reason that ball was moved was because the football wasn't placed in the proper spot on the field as it relates to the hash marks or the middle of the field. And then it was also off by like a third of a yard. Now, we all may think, listen, Gene, that's not that big of a deal if the football's two yards out, you know, wider on the field instead of in the middle of the field, it's at the right hash mark or something like that. Uh, but it is. Uh, players, teams, they call plays based on where that football should be to start that next play. And now looking back, we see that that second down play was an incomplete pass. When they brought the ball in for the third down, which happened two or three times uh, last night, the football wasn't in the proper spot as it related to where it wasn't a positioning on the field, which does affect, believe it or not, how a play is run and what they expect from that play. So now you have this administrative stoppage, right? This was where the breakdown really occurred from the officiating end on that area. So now we have to put the football exactly where it should have been so that this team gets a fair opportunity. Now you have changed one aspect of that play, and now you have a mental lapse thinking, you know, we move the ball, we move the ball, and now we're getting ready to chop the ball in for play, as we called it. And the referee wound the clock instead of just chopping the ball ready for play uh, to just start the play clock, but not the game clock. So you had a breakdown really from the beginning of it that then took place. Now it affected the timing aspect. And then as officials are seeing players come to the line of scrimmage, look, you're looking to see which which formation is out there because each official is is dedicated to certain players on the field based on formations. So they go through that piece of it. And then uh, evidently that deep official then looked up and realized, oh my goodness, this clock is running when that previous play was an incomplete pass where the clock shouldn't have run. So now he starts onto the field and inevitably the ball snapped. Now within that next three to four seconds, listen, I can tell you I've been in a lot of loud places and a lot of loud stadiums in my career. That was loud last night. So this play now is taking place and then uh, inevitably it ends. We have a grouping and we're all looking from where even I was. And then I'm sure everyone back home, like what happened here on third down? Why are they talking about the third down play? And then as we heard Ron Torbert start to explain, it wasn't the third down play. It was really the mistakes that were made because of the way the second down play ended. So, uh, 
we had something that I've never experienced as an official, and that was basically a do-over. And I think I used that wording last night because I really didn't know how else to define that other than, you know, being on the playground and saying, hey, let's start over. We're going to do a do-over on the play. And uh, that's pretty much what they did. Hey, wait, Gene, sorry, on a scale of 1 to 10, all the breakdowns that you just described, on a scale of mm-hmm. 1 to 10, 10 being the most egregious, how egregious was that kind of on all sides from all the referees and all the officials who were on the on the field last night? That's a great question, Maggie. Look, you, you know, one thing about this position, I'm not here just to try to defend the officials, right? I mean, I understand how hard this is, and, and it really is. I also understand how detailed uh, officials have to be. And, and I mean very detailed things that, uh, you know, we don't really talk about much in the fraternity and they, and they don't talk about the games. Anytime you change uh, any little aspect of that, I can tell you once in my NFL career, I was in Seattle with Green Bay in week two uh, of a regular season game. And in the first series, uh, we misplaced where the ball should have been. It should have been on the left hash and we put it in the middle of the field. Aaron Rodgers came out, looked at the ball. He turned to look at me. I wasn't aware where my umpire had put the ball as it related to the previous down. And he called a timeout. That was with about 13 minutes left in the first quarter of a week two game. Mm. That's huge. It's huge. It's, it's that big of a deal. And truly any breakdowns at this level uh, that affect the administration of a football game where we as officials are incorrect in applying those administrative elements, they're gigantic. And they're, they are taken that way by the department, by each official. And, uh, and they're just not things that you can ever let happen. You just, they're those things that we've always prided ourselves in that we have to be that good with this level of detail on every single play, even though 99.9% of the country is completely unaware of those things. So it is a big deal. It's a very big deal to them. And naturally, as we saw it evolve, look, there were no points on it. Yes, there was a pass or a defensive hold that happened on the next play that gave them a new series of downs. But if you just think of it in that context, the complexity or the path of the game changed, whether there were points or not, because someone got a new series of downs on what was a good defensive holding call on now the third, third down play. And so you took more time off of the clock, right? The game changed from where it should have been from that point on uh, than, than what should have occurred had it been administrated properly. So it's that big. It, 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 they're big misses, right? Gene, a uh, couple more plays that Bengals fans are asking a lot about today. Do you think there was holding on the Chiefs on the play where Patrick Mahomes was hit laid out of bounds? Uh, on the scramble play that was the, that that created that then you know there was there was some restriction I saw on one of the interior linemen and forgive me for not knowing the numbers at that point but there was there were two players kind of offensive defense kind of locked in and engaged with each other uh without anybody really gaining an advantage initially right and in our terminology from what I used to use it was like yes yeah, he holding him a little yes but his hands are with inside the framework is the defense really working really hard to get away from that Maybe not a lot in the first part of that restriction. We used to call it, look, they're happy to be there, right? So, yeah, is there something there? Yes, but is it rising to the level? Didn't feel like it. As Patrick started to scramble to his right, though, it appeared to me that the defender then is trying to disengage from that kind of stock-blocking dance that they were happy to be with. And when when he attempted to disengage and pursue Patrick, then there was that restriction 
uh, that occurred for for that brief second or two. So technically, yes, at that point, then you have affected that play because you're restricting someone kind of outside the framework of their body. So those that go back and watch all of these plays, which which you know we know that we all do now, uh, they'll look at that one and say, yeah, right there, that's holding. So could, yes, there, there's there's uh, there's some validity in the complaint. Uh, but did that kind of restriction take place a little bit more or less? I'll bet we could find a handful of those too. Uh, that probably would be the case as well. One more real quick, the Samaj P. Ryan uh, intentional grounding. You explained it very well last night, but I still think there's some fans who think that Samaj P. Ryan was in the area where Joe Burrow threw the ball into the ground. Uh, is that a judgment call on the officials of how close the receiver is? Uh, and did they? do you still think they made the correct call? Yeah, it is a judgment call in, in some regards. And, and look, when they run those little screen passes where the running back standing in the backfield right away and the pressure comes immediately and we see the quarterback just kind of ground it right at his feet, right? You pass on that. You know the quarterback's dumping the ball and is there really a chance to catch it? Not really. He's just dumping it. But someone's in the area. And the P run play, he goes beyond the line of scrimmage. He's downfield for three yards or so beyond the line of scrimmage. He also really, when Joe Burrow is under that pressure and releases the ball to kind of throw it at his feet, he really hasn't spun around again. I think there's also a little question as whether the ball got back to the original line of scrimmage, right? So you're adding that element into uh, into intentional grounding where the ball has to get beyond the line of scrimmage, even though he's in the pocket. Um, so there were a few little elements there where if you're going to be very generous and not calling intentional grounding on the play, you can probably get to that place. Uh, but this wasn't one of those classic, the back is in the backfield, he blocks someone, he turns around and, and there's pressure and you spike it at his feet. Uh, to me, it felt different than that. And uh, in that regard, that's kind of why I supported that play last night. And I really do after looking at it a couple more times, but People will always be able to find some place somewhere and go, well, look, this guy's in, in less of an area than this play was, and they called it there too. So there's a level of judgment there. Uh, technically, though, to me, that felt like intentional grounding. Gene Steratore is joining us. He's CBS Sports officiating analyst. We could go to more plays in that game. You got the MVS uh, reaching for the first down. It got pulled back, and that got overturned on challenge. We have the uh, potential block in the back uh, on a Sky Moore punt return. But, Gene, we got to get to the other game, the NFC Championship game. Perloff's wearing his brotherly love hat. Don't let that influence you, Gene, (laughs) as he's a diehard (laughs) Eagles fan. I know it wouldn't. But the big thing is the Devontae Smith catch early on in the game that leads to the Eagles touchdown. They go up 7-0. Now, clear, right, up, yeah. clear up something about NFL replay assist, right? This is something that's pretty new where officials have access to all of the cameras. They don't have to wait for Fox to show a replay. They have access right. to all the cameras. Is that a place where replay assist should have jumped in before Kyle Shanahan even decides whether he wants to challenge? He obviously did not. It was costly. But is that a place where replay assist can stop the game and take a second look at the catch? Like, should we expect that now from replay assist? Uh, This is a great question. And I will tell you guys, uh, you know, I I did see that part. From that kind of catch on, we were starting to get into our game. So I didn't get to see a lot of uh, the officiating decisions that were made after that play. But I did see that. This is a great question. And I would say it for this reason. The replay assist now has become this new phrase and new application to instant replay, and this year it's taken effect, right? Um, 
And I think it does create this now second level unintended consequence of higher technology, more camera angles. We can see a mistake or a ruling take place on a catch, no catch, not a penalty related play, but these types of plays now rather quickly. So when do we draw that line and how do we define it? When we were introduced to this process this year from the NFL, uh, from the seats that we're in now, the phraseology that they used to us was look within the one or two quick replays of a play, right? Like a receiver's foot out of bounds. You, you get the first replay and you can see clearly this foot's out of bounds. Okay, when we see something that's that quick, we can come down and fix that play because after one replay, maybe two in this little short window of the world we live in between plays, we saw the mistake occur. This stops a team from challenging because we also know if that play was easily missed like that and a coach does challenge and we know we'll be successful, you still have to be two for two as a coach to get that third challenge. So even though I use this challenge, which was a pretty easy layup challenge to win, I know that the next challenge, which may be something like the first down we saw in the Kansas City game, I've got to challenge that too. And if I miss that one, now I'm out of challenges for the game. So the NFL decided that they're going to do this expedited review to fix that front-ended play that I mentioned that's just so egregiously missed early that we don't have to put the team through that process of the challenge, even though we know it would be successful. Now we get to this play, which is exactly as you as you prefaced it. And now it is, okay, on the third shot of this replay from another angle, because we probably have 40 cameras or so or more in these games, the third replay now shows that this ball hits the ground, right? Remember, too, now, teams have always done this when replay was implemented. If they think there's smoke or a close play, that the offense has benefited from that they did exactly what Philadelphia did yesterday, right? They're running to the line, even if it's 30 yards down the field. They do not substitute because the defense would be provided an opportunity to match a substitute by the offense, which would now delay the snap of the next play. And they now create this very tiny window for not just Cal Shanahan in this case to make the decision, but also for TV. And we now live in, I live in this TV world. So I know how sensitive it is for TV to maybe have two or three replays really quick, but guess what? We're not going to show the third replay because they're going to snap this football now, six seconds after this play just ended. So now the replays are limited between downs. The team is put into a box because they have to make a very quick decision really early in a game on a challenge or no challenge play. And that's what we saw yesterday. So I think as this continues to grow and the replay assist in the NFL's attempt to try to limit the challenges, especially on plays where we can get these angles with the enhanced technology that we all are enjoying as spectators, now another level of question is taking place. When is it a replay assist? When are we putting our teams into a challenge? And, And personally, early in this thought process, now that we see the magnitude of these, I think it's something that has to be revisited, right? Like the college game, when a team wants to challenge a play, they have to call a timeout. The timeout stops the game. Replay gets involved. If you miss that review, basically, because you called timeout to stop the game, you lost the timeout. Uh, That feels a little better to me than us throwing a red flag, stopping the game, You know, you have three timeouts. That's what you get for the half. Uh, So maybe they change now the procedure on how we're going to do instant replay or initiate replays by the team 
and by technology. So I think there's more to be discussed about this. And and like anything I've experienced in the 20, 25 years I've been around in the NFL, it takes plays like that to occur for us now to have this real serious discussion, just like we did with overtime last year, right? So I think there, there'll be more to follow on how they now implement the enhanced technology they have and uh, and now how the replay review process takes place. Gene, last question for me. Uh, from the team standpoint, is are the Niners dependent on the TV broadcast for the different angles of the play, or do they have access to other cameras somewhere upstairs in the building? Or do they just have to wait for Fox to cut the right angle to make yeah. their decision? Yeah. Yeah, they, they pretty much are held uh, to what television gives them and the speed that they give them. I, I think there were times when I, I, I wouldn't know this naturally, like when I was refereeing on the field, whether the jumbotron in the stadium had a different kind of a feed layout than how TV processed, you know, uh, the previous play or something of that nature. But for the most part, uh, those coaches that are up there or the individual they may have hired just to say, tell the coach, look, challenge or not challenge. Uh, most of that, to my knowledge, is is based on what the TV gives them. Now, the NFL is different. The NFL office has a Hawkeye system, which has all those cameras in in a uh, and and a lot of different aspects. Where a four block will show up on a screen and show four different angles that are running in sync with each other, based you know surrounding that play. So at times, the NFL can get that four block kind of a piece together play from multiple angles and have that rather quickly, which we don't have the luxury when reviewing the games at home to see. But I would think for the most part, uh, you know, those coaches up there were held to uh, whatever television can get them and the the speed at which they can get it uh, to them. Gene, can't tell you how much we appreciate this on a day after we needed you yesterday and you delivered <laughs> in that Kansas City Bengals game. Gene Steratore is a CBS Sports officiating analyst. And again, can't tell you how much we appreciate you carving out some time for us today. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. And it was good talking with you. Great thank talking you, with you too, Gene. Really thank you so it. much. All, All right. right. We're back with more Maggie and Perloff right after this CBS Sports update from Rich Ackerman. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question comes from Matt in Katy, Texas. Which is a better job, the Cowboys or the Chargers for offensive coordinator Kellen Moore? Ooh, that's a great question. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros or tweeting it at cbssportsradio using the hashtag askthepros. So Kellen Moore parted ways with the Cowboys, quote-unquote parted ways with the Cowboys over the weekend, and he has already, according to the team, agreed to terms to take over the Chargers offense. Maggie Gray, yeah, which is a better job, Dallas or L.A. Chargers? Uh, I mean, you probably got to say the Chargers because Herbert has a chance to be a really great quarterback, but it's not bad to be in Dallas. NFC East, although the Eagles are in the yeah, Super no, Bowl. Um, I totally know what you mean. I, I feel like the Dallas job is easier. You have better reason. weapons in yeah. Kansas in uh, L.A. The problem is, can those weapons ever stay healthy? The, uh, the weapons in L.A. are, are they really, though? They're getting older. They're kind of slow. C.D. Lamb is a young... You season Yeah, but they never do. They, <laughs> yeah. They've never That's really built the right offense around Justin Herbert. Maybe Callum Moore could do it. The, the other defense thing, is better than people think. Well, in, they have all, in, in LA paid a lot for that defense, and it, you I think it was basically nothing out of J.C. Jackson this entire season. You got to think yeah. that that's going to end up being, right. you know, a better 
free agent side. But you had a healthy Bosa for Jacksonville, and it didn't help in the second half. You had Khalil Mack. It didn't help in the second half. I, I, I mean, think that, that was just one of the all-time meltdowns of a game, though. Like, that was historic. Yeah, but it's also very typical of the Chargers, though. They always do Not something. Not to that degree. Not to that degree, but close. I, I'm going to say Dallas, and here's why. Because Kellen Moore just killed it in Dallas. His, he just did well. His offense was so highly ranked. Yes, there was something missing in that game plan against Sunday. I mean, let's just, I get to Niners. Let's yeah. just face it. It's a question of, was it Dak Prescott's fault? Or was it Kellen Moore's fault? Or was it Mike McCarthy's fault? So... Couple of things. One thing about Kellen Moore, I've heard this criticism of him a couple places, and I think that it's valid. One is like he's not like a, it's not a philosophical. He's not philosophical as an offensive coordinator. He's just a play caller. Okay. And I think that's fair, but that's something that he could improve on. I think this is a good move for Mike McCarthy, though. Move it away from Kellen Moore for a second. I think this is a and first of all, Kellen Moore, this is awesome for you. You get the job that like everyone wants is to somehow be associated with Justin Herbert. We thought maybe Sean Payton is just sort of waiting out this cycle just so that he can vulture around and see if wait and see if Brandon Staley gets fired so that he can take over and be with Justin Herbert. But for McCarthy, this is this is what you needed. You by reports, I believe he has 2 years left on his Dallas contract. You got to start calling plays, dude. Like but there's a lot of pressure on him now. He has no outs. Yeah, but you're probably going to be out anyway. Like, you might be out if Sean Payton goes back to Fox and then is available next year. So you might as well take the, you know, take everything into your own hands mm. and or, start calling plays. Or is it Dan Quinn's job? Is Or it's Dan Quinn's job, maybe. Yeah, I mean, is that why Dan Quinn took his name out of the running for these jobs? Because Jerry said, hey, stay close. This job is yours if it doesn't work. Or we get to the Super Bowl. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not as into the Chargers. I, I like them preseason. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I I wonder if there's an organizational dysfunction there that goes from the top down where they just can't seem <laughs> to get things right. And he, that might bite Kellen Moore. I mean, I, yeah, I understand. Justin Herbert's amazing. This could be great. But I am a little nervous. Things just seem to go wrong with that team. Well, and it can't help but think that your head coach is maybe dead man walking if anything yeah. goes wrong. So Kellen Moore may have signed up for this job thinking – like, I could be a one and done because, like, if Sean Payton comes in, everybody's getting fired. He's going to do over. Right. But maybe more kind of thinks, hey, I'll sit around. Maybe I'll do a lot of things with the offense. They could fire Staley. They could promote me. Yeah, that's a possible. What if the offense is great and the defense is bad? Or what if it all works and they go to the Super Bowl? That's pretty good, too. Yeah, that would be something. Uh, big news, though. That was, that was a big one that hit over the weekend. Oh, in normal circumstances, that would be huge. We would have led with that story. Yeah. but No, we got the games. Games always win. 855-2124-CBS. Let's get to JJ, who's in California. He's got a thought on Bengals coach Zach Taylor. What's up, JJ? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well. I just wanted to congratulate the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. I mean, he had some calls go against him in the beginning, and he kind of kept his composure and kept his team in it. Just didn't seem like Zach Taylor to me, like as a fan sitting at home, Watching him act like that made me feel like we didn't have a chance in this game. So I could just imagine if you were players on the sideline. I mean, I, I don't know. It just seemed like he needs to grow up a little bit, you know? Like he JJ. was just acting too much. And how are you going to get a call go your way when you're yelling and screaming at the refs like that the whole time? I played basketball my whole life. And I'm telling you, the coaches that yelled and screamed at the refs and acting like they didn't know what they were doing, we did not get no calls for the rest of the game. <laughs> well, I mean, I okay, put yourself in his shoes. 
you get something that basically has never happened before where you stop the Chiefs on a crucial third down in the second half, and then they're like, wait a minute, there was a clock issue. We got to redo the play. I'd lose it, too. I would lose it. Right, but he was going off before that, Mags. He was going off way before that. He was. Like, he was arguing with the refs, like, the whole game. I think some of the calls, I get where he's coming from. You thought it was unprofessional, J.J., I, I can see what you're saying. Thank you for the call. Well, I'll tell you how to not get calls. If there is a controversial foul at the end of a game, say a basketball game, and you pull a camera out and you show oh. the rest of the camera, <laughs> like a certain Patrick Beverly yeah. and the Lakers. That was all time. There's no way you're getting a call after that. And I, I understand why he got, I don't know if you people saw it, LeBron got fouled at the end of the Celtics game and... They didn't call it. Patrick Beverly runs out with a camcorder and wants the official <laughs> look at the camera. It was yeah. the most show up the official thing I've ever seen. He got oh, a technical. Well, LeBron was like, it was, you know, like the end of Shawshank or Streetcar Named Desire yeah. or something. I was basically waiting for him to start screaming like Stella. He was. No, it was like Willem Dafoe and Platoon after he got shot. <laughs> yeah, LeBron, right. the way he was acting. <laughs> It was an epic performance. That being said, LeBron probably will win two more extra games in this regular season because the officials clearly were embarrassed by that one. Well, how about the officials embarrassed themselves, I thought, with the tweet that they sent out after the fact. Now what? i got to find it really fast. Wait, here, bring up the next car. You look at that. Okay, yeah. Joel is in Texas, wants to talk about the refs while I find this tweet. Go ahead, Joel, what's up? Hey, thanks for uh, accepting my call. You got it. I, I, I just want to say that you know, the players do not get out on the field and play. Uh, they don't want to play. They play against each other, but they don't want to have to play against the officials. I don't know if the gambling, the betting, have a lot to do with these calls or whatever. But you know, uh, it, it, it's just amazing that these officials are missing these calls. I don't know if it's purposely or it has something to do with the gambling part of it. I'm, I'm not accusing no one of anything. But if you look at you just just asking game, questions, well, Joel, that's what you're doing. Not accusing anyone. You're just asking questions. It seemed a little fishy to you. Look at the Dallas game uh, where uh, what's his name? The, the tight end caught the ball. He Schultz. was on the line and no one made the, the, the call. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I just don't get it. They're supposed to be professional. Well, They're Joel, professional. I'm not going to be able to make you feel better, but I think and thank you for the call. But I think this tweet, granted, from the NBA referees, may sum up your thoughts and basically this entire show all in one succinct tweet. This is from the official NBA refs after they missed the call on LeBron James. Like everyone else, referees make mistakes. We made one at the end of last night's game, and that is gut-wrenching for us. This play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees we can be. Mm. Were they trying to be sarcastic? <laughs> I don't think so. Did you take that as straight value, like straightforward, or did you take that as... I took it as straightforward. Do you, you think they were being tongue-in-cheek? I, I, I thought so. Gut-wrenching? Wow. I don't know. I thought... Uh, weigh heavily and cause sleepless so nights? I mean, first of all, why anyone would care two cents about any NBA regular season game right now. <laughs> Honestly, the players don't care. The officials no, don't. Yeah, like, why do those officials care about a game that nobody else cares about? It's an interesting question. Well, they're me. getting graded. I get why oh, they yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. Sleepless nights? No, you're not. You're moving on to the next city. Nets-Lakers tonight. 
Thank you, Stu Kovacs. Oh, that Kovacs. should be a thrill ride. Thank you, Mike Sander. No Sander. LeBron, no AD. Cannot wait. Wonderful. Thanks to Gene Sterator, who joined us before. Thanks to you guys in the chat, you weedos. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Be well. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.